This week we're going to pick it up in verse number one of chapter three. And Paul makes a transition here. He's writing this letter to the church in Colossae. And the first two chapters are very doctrinal by nature. And he's talking about the doctrine of Christology, who Jesus is and why we must put Jesus at the center of our lives. But then in chapter three, he makes a transition. He shifts gears a little bit and he goes from talking about the doctrinal foundation to now the practical implications of that doctrinal foundation. By the way, uh, the right doctrine always has practical implications. So he makes this transition here and now we're going to get real practical and I'm excited about studying this chapter together today. Chapter three, verse number one, the Bible says this, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. By the way, I'm thankful that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. The right hand is the, is the picture and the, and the position of power and control. And so Jesus today is in control. No matter what is going on in our world, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father in a position of control. And I'm thankful for that today. Verse 2. Set your affection on things above not on things on the earth for you are dead and your life is hid with christ in god when christ who is our life shall appear then shall you also appear with him in glory mortify everybody say mortify mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth fornication uncleanness inordinate affection evil concupiscence and covetousness which is idolatry. How many of you use the word concupiscence this week in your everyday vocabulary? Anybody? All right, well, you have a new one now. Apply it this week. Verse 6, For which things sake the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when you lived in them. But now, you also put off, everybody say put off, put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Today, for a few minutes, I want to speak to this subject. Dress for success. Dress for success. Let's have a word of prayer this morning together. Lord, thank you so much for this day that you've given us. God, thank you for the first two services today and the work that you have already done. God, thank you for uh, many decisions that were made today for you. And Lord, we want to give you the praise and glory for that. And God, I pray that in this service that we would have a holy focus and attention on your word. And God, I pray that you would speak to us in a powerful way. Lord, we recognize that this time that we have allotted to look to your word is not just merely a tradition or something that we do to pass the time, but God, we believe that you have a purpose for us here and now, and that this time is a holy time that we can look to your word. And Lord, I pray that your word would penetrate our hearts, that we would be convicted where we need to be convicted. I pray that we would be encouraged where we need to be encouraged. And God, I pray that we can apply these truths to our lives and that we can uh, live the transformed life that you've called us to live. We love you in Jesus' name and everybody said today. Amen. How many of you have ever dressed 
for the wrong occasion. Can I see your hands? You dress for the wrong occasion. I remember when I was in seventh grade, I was invited to go snowboarding for the first time. How many of you have ever been snowboarding or skiing? And uh, I remember going, and I did not have any snow clothes to wear. We were invited to go up to Wrightwood to Mountain High, and uh, I didn't know what to wear. And so I just put on some jeans and a hoodie, and I thought, you know, this is going to be totally fine. And I remember it was freezing cold that day. It was snowing. It was the most miserable day of my life. I was soaking wet. I was freezing cold, and I was very uh, uh, discouraged that I was not dressed for the occasion. A couple of years ago, our family was on vacation, and we went to this restaurant that we had a reservation for, and I was excited to eat at this restaurant, and I was ready and looking forward to going and, and having some time with the family, and that uh, we showed up, and she said, sir, you are not allowed in the restaurant because you are not meeting the dress requirements, and I was on vacation, so I was just wearing some shorts. I was wearing basketball shorts. They had a white stripe on the side, and she said, at our establishment, you're allowed to wear shorts, but you're just not allowed to wear athletic shorts, and you're wearing athletic shorts, and I thought, okay, this is a little sub subjective. And, you know, I'm not exactly sure about all this, but I don't know if you've ever dealt with someone in customer service and you just knew I'm not going to get anywhere in this conversation. I don't even know what I'm talking about. I just knew that we weren't going to get anywhere. But I was feeling kind of feisty myself. And so I decided to go to the bathroom and I turned my shorts inside out. And I said, there, I hid the, hid the white stripe on the side. And so I walked right back out to the lady at the front and I kind of looked at her like, what now? And uh, she said, sir you are still not allowed to come into this restaurant dressed like that. And so I did not get to eat at that restaurant. Our family had to find somewhere else to eat. But I learned that I was not dressed for the occasion. In Colossians chapter 3, this chapter that we're going to study together this morning, Paul is not going to talk about our physical clothes and our physical garments. But he is going to use uh, clothing and garments as an analogy and compare it to our walk with God. He's going to say there are some spiritual garments that we need to put off and some spiritual garments that we need to put on. And he's talking here in this chapter about this truth that we know as followers of Jesus called sanctification. Now, chapter one and two, and especially last week, we, we talked about the doctrine of salvation and how salvation is not something that we do uh, by works. We don't earn or work or achieve for our salvation. It's pencils down. How many of you are thankful that we don't have to earn or achieve or work for our salvation, but it's all about the grace and the goodness of God? But we have to understand that sanctification is a process in the spiritual journey, and it's a growth process. The word sanctification means to be set apart. And so we are called to be set apart to live a holy lifestyle uh, before the Lord. This is a process of spiritual growth. Sometimes this process of sanctification can be frustrating. Dealing with sin and trying to get victory over certain sins in our lives can be frustrating. We know that the Apostle Paul had this frustration in Romans chapter 7 and verse 14 when he said this, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin, for that which I do I allow not, for what I would that do I not, but what I hate that do I. And so Paul is kind of just demonstrating the frustration in his heart and in his spirit. And he's saying, man, all the things that I know that I shouldn't do and I hate doing them, I find myself just continuing to do those things. And all those things over here that, that I want to do, that I know that I should do, I find myself not doing those things. And there is this frustration that can often come and we feel as though we are not experiencing spiritual victory when it comes to the anger in my life. Why is it that 
it seems as though I can't get victory in this area. I know that I shouldn't be angry, and I know that I shouldn't uh, snap at my spouse, but it seems like I just find myself doing that. Why is it that I can't get victory over this lust and these thoughts that come into my mind? I know that I shouldn't think them, but I find myself continually losing this battle. And why is it that I can't get victory over the anxiety that wants to creep into my mind and infiltrate my thoughts? Why is it that I cannot get the victory? This can be a frustrating battle that we experience in life. And what Paul is saying in Colossians chapter 3 is maybe, perhaps, you are not experiencing spiritual victory because you are not dressed for the occasion. That, that you have not learned to put off certain things and to put on certain things. And so what Paul is going to talk about in Colossians chapter 3 is how really we can experience spiritual victory. Anybody interested today in experiencing spiritual victory? How we can walk the victorious Christian life and grow in sanctification? This is what Paul is going to address. And what I want to do in our time together this morning is I want to give us three very simple ways that we can dress for success. Would that be all right today? Three very simple ways that we can dress for spiritual success. Number one is this. Consider your position. Consider your position. Now, in verse number one of our text, which by the way, I want to encourage you to keep your Bible open. We're going to refer back to these verses many times today. But verse number one talks about our position. It says this. If you then be risen with Christ... That is our new position. If you are a follower of Jesus today, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, thank the Lord that you have been elevated to a new position, that you have been raised to walk in newness of life, that you have been transformed from the inside out, that the old creature is passed away, and behold, all things are become new, and we are this new creation with this new position, raised to walk in newness of life. Back in 2010, MTV had this show called The Buried Life. And this show was really about four friends that wanted to just go on an adventure and they wanted to complete all these things on their bucket list. And, and really the concept of the show was YOLO. You only live once, so just uh, go and do everything that you can. Have fun and check off all these adventures off your bucket list. And they called this concept The Buried Life. Well, in Colossians chapter 3, we're introduced to this idea that as Christians, we are not called to live the buried life. We are called to live the resurrected life, a new life in Christ. This is what we sang about this morning in church. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt, who raised this life up from the dead. Hey, you ought to be thankful today that perhaps you are not where you'd like to be, but thank God you are not where you used to be on your way to a Christless hell. We have been raised to walk in newness of life. This should elevate our thinking. This should cause some joy uh, and a smile on our face because we have this new position. I remember trying out for the junior varsity basketball team when I was in seventh grade and went to tryouts and I was so nervous because I wanted to make the team. It was the first time to be a part of an organized sports uh, uh, team in the school and I was so nervous I wanted to make the team. And the coach uh, said that he was going to post whoever made the team to the door of his office the next day at lunch. And if you wanted to find out if you made the team, you had to go and check that list on his door. And so I remember the next day, I was so nervous about this. I was thinking about it all through my classes and I wanted to know, did I make the team? Did I make the team? And so at lunch, I ran over there with some of my friends and I looked on the door and I was looking at that list and I was trying to find my name and, and there it was at the bottom, Matt Chapel. And I made the team and I was so excited about that. I just couldn't help in seventh grade. I was just smiling because I made the team. I was so happy that my name 
was on the list. Can I encourage you today, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have something to celebrate because your name is written down in glory. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. When you die, you don't have to go to a terrible place called hell, but you can be raised to walk in newness of life and spend forever and all of eternity with Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This is now your new position. Romans talks about it this way in Romans 6, verse number three. He says, know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the father. By the way, today, do you believe that Jesus Christ bodily and historically rose from the grave? This is something that we ought to remember and celebrate, that the resurrection is not simply a component to our faith, but it's the foundation, the center of our faith, who was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so we, the resurrection always has implications. Even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his Resurrection. This is our, our new position, that we, that we are saved, that we are in the family of God, that we're a child of the King of Kings. Now, notice what he says in verse number three about this position. He says, for you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. How many of you have ever seen a, a poster that says, wanted, dead, or alive? You've seen one of those posters before, maybe like in an old Western movie, wanted, dead, or alive. Well, for a follower of Jesus, really the idea is that we are wanted, dead, and alive. Because the reality is, is we are dead unto sin, but alive unto Jesus Christ. Dead unto sin, our old nature, but we are alive unto Jesus. And he says in verse number three, and we are hid, uh, verse number three, we are hid together with him. Uh, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Now, when he uses the word hid, he's not talking here about secrecy, like we're hiding something. He's talking about security, uh, that we are protected, that we are sheltered, that we are hid with God. Can I tell you today that the safest place that you can be in life, the safest place that your children can be in life is in the center of God's will. We are hid, we're protected with him. Now, I was talking to someone this week that uh, is very fearful uh, about the world today, just everything that's going on, and, and particularly fearful for their children and what's going to happen uh, to my kids and what's going to happen in the generation in which they're growing up, and, and, and there is fear. But we have to recognize today that our Heavenly Father loves our children infinitely more than we love our children. <laughs> And that he has a good plan for them and he loves them and he wants to protect them and keep them uh, safe. And we are hid in the security of the arms of our father. John 10, 28 says this, and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My father, which gave them me is greater than all. Can I remind you today that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And when you are in the father's hand, you are safe and secure in the loving arms of our heavenly father. You are hid with Christ in God. This is your position. This is your position, raised to walk in newness of life. Now, we consider our position, but then this leads us to our second thought today. You have to change your ambition. And so you consider your position, but then you have to change your ambition. Notice verse number one. If you're still with me today, would you say amen? amen. He says, if you then be risen with Christ, that's your position, Seek those things which are above. That's your ambition. That's right. What you seek. The word seek means desire, to pursue, to, to, uh, to, to go after. 
Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. And so here's what Paul is saying. It's a profound truth. He's saying once you understand your position, that should transform and change your ambition. Your position should change the way that you think. It should give you a new perspective. And now you should set your affection on things above. The things that used to matter to you in your old life, your old dreams and aspirations and goals, they should be shifted and now viewed through a new lens. And that new lens is your position in Christ, that, that we are now focused on uh, eternal things. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 20 says this, For our conversation, our citizenship, is in heaven. From whence come also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I mentioned last week that my son Luke is playing uh, Little League Baseball. And in Little League Baseball, you play almost every position, right? You can just play them all. And uh, he's been playing pitcher. He likes that. He's been playing catcher. He's been playing third base. And no matter where he plays, it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect the way that he thinks about the game depending upon his position. If he's at the pitcher's mound, I'm trying to help him throw strikes. And we're working on the mechanics of throwing. And we want to make sure he can throw strikes. If he's playing catcher, I want to make sure that he's stopping the ball and that he's aware of someone running and stealing to second base and throw him out. Uh, depending on his position, it will change his perspective. See, when you realize and understand your position in Christ, it'll change the way that you live. It'll change the way that you see the world. It'll give you a whole new perspective. Why? Your position should transform your ambition. And so the things that used to matter to me, they don't matter as much anymore. It's not just about me trying to make a living. Now it's about me trying to fulfill my calling. It's not just about what I can get in life. It's about how I can be generous for the Lord. It's not about the people that bother me. It's about the people that need the good news of the gospel message. Do you see how your position should transform your ambition? Because you have been raised to walk in newness of life, now set your affection on things above. So often we are preoccupied and distracted with temporary pursuits. With things that won't really matter in eternity. Think about the things that matter to you most. Think about the things that take the most of your time in life, the things that just consume your time, that consume your energy. Will they really matter in all of eternity? Is it going to matter when we're in heaven looking at Jesus face to face? So often we can be distracted by the temporary. And Paul says, hey, you have to have a new ambition, a new way of thinking. Set your affection on things. New ambition, a new way of thinking is above. You know what will matter in all people? people. You know the people that we often get frustrated with? Remember, they have a living soul that will go on. And we have to recognize that God has entrusted to us to be ambassadors for the sake of the gospel, and we are to go out to the highways and hedges and compel them to come in and bring people with us to church and invite people in to hear the good news of the gospel. Why? Because people matter in eternity. And so Paul's saying, set your affection, set your sights on things above. Uh, Augustine said this, no one longs for eternal, incorruptible, and immortal life unless he be wearied of this temporal, corruptible and mortal life. Set your affection on things above. Notice what he says in verse number four. He says, when Christ who is our life, don't you love that little phrase right there? Christ who is our life. He's everything. Uh, he, he, he's our life. He's everything. He consumes us. Christ will appear. Everybody say appear. appear. 
Then shall you also appear with him in glory. What is Paul talking about here? He's talking about the second coming of Jesus. That Jesus is coming again, and we ought to live in light of that day. Do you remember when Jesus was talking to the disciples in John chapter 14? He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He was saying, I know that you're sad because I'm about to leave, but just remember, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, what does he say? I will come again. Jesus is saying, I will return. I'm coming back. I wonder what would happen today if there were some followers of Jesus at the 1130 service at Rock Hill Church that would start believing and living like that were true. That Jesus is coming back and we're living in light of that day. Uh, That would change the way that we think. It would change the way that we live. It would change our ambition to focus on what really matters, the things that matter in all of eternity. And so our position should transform our ambition. This leads us to the third thought today. Are you ready for number three this morning? We've talked about our position. We've talked about our ambition. Number three is this, confront your condition. So our position, risen with Christ. Our ambition, seek those things which are above. Now really the heartbeat of this message is our condition. The reality is this, is if we have been saved We have been declared righteous. We have been declared justified in the sight of a holy God. This is good news, that we have a righteous standing before God. But the reality is, is we still have this old lingering flesh that bothers us, right? That sometimes that anger comes back, that lust comes back, and and the wrong thoughts, and the wrong desires, and the wrong words. And we have this lingering flesh. How many of you know what I'm talking about? This, This lingering flesh that often we want to get spiritual victory over. This is what Paul is going to dive into the rest of the chapter and talk about this morning. How many of you are, are board game people? Anybody like playing board games? All right. How many of you would say, you know what? I do not like playing board games enough that I'm going to raise my hand right now in church and say, I do not like playing board games. Okay. Very good. You know, growing up, there are two board games for children that are like elite. They're next level. They're the best possible board games when you're a kid. Mousetrap and Operation. Mousetrap and Operation, because these games are just so fun to put together. I don't know if I've ever actually played them or followed the rules, but I've tried to put them together many times. And my son, uh, for his birthday last year, he got the game Operation. And in the game Operation, you have to remove some things that don't belong in that body, right? There are certain things that you got to get out of there. The wrench in the ankle. I don't even know what I'm talking about. you got to get rid of that wrench. It doesn't belong in the ankle. And uh, the butterflies in the stomach, you got to surgically uh, remove some of those things. The reality is for us today is spiritually in our lives, there are certain things that just don't belong. There are certain things that we have to learn to remove. And dealing with sin can be a surgical topic by nature because dealing with sin hurts before it heals. We have to be honest. We have to confront our condition. We have to be honest about the things that we're struggling with so that we can remove these things and so that we can be healed and grow and walk in the new life that God has called us to walk in. And so Paul is going to mention some things that we need to remove. And he's going to give some lists, okay? We're going to read these lists here in just a moment. These lists are not all-encompassing. They're not all-inclusive. He's giving some categories. Really, the first category are internal struggles. The second category is our external struggles. And so Paul is going to mention some things that we need to remove some things that surgically just don't belong. We've got to get them out of there. Notice verse number five. It says this, mortify. Is that not a startling word that we see in verse number five? Mortify. That word means to put to death. It means to kill. It means to make a corpse. He's saying mortify, uh, put it to death. What is he saying? When it comes to this idea of sin, we have to take it very seriously. 
Desperate times don't call for half measures. We, we, we can't just treat lightly our sin. And so he says, uh, mortify these things. Uh, the call of a Christian is not simply to manage our sin. It's to mortify our sin. Let me explain it this way. A couple years ago, I was out with my dad on a trip, and he was hunting in Colorado. And on our family property there in Colorado, he invited me to come out with him. And I wasn't hunting, but I was just with him. And uh, we got up really early in the morning, and we were out hunting, and he saw a deer out in the distance, and so he fired. And we, didn't, we couldn't tell from the distance uh, that we were if he got it or not, so we went up close to him, and, and uh, we were trying to find uh, the deer. And sure enough, we saw a deer laying in the field, and I was walking up to that deer, and I was about from here to this table to that deer in the ground. And when I got about this distance, that deer jumped up and it scared me half to death and we realized that that deer was never shot it was just playing dead and it just ran away and it scared me so much I may or may not have screamed in that moment I'm not sure but it scared me and it just ran away here's the truth sometimes when it comes to our sin we don't actually kill it we try to sweep it under the rug. We try to hide it. We try to conceal it. We try to manage it. But again, uh, God does not want us to just simply manage our sin. He wants us to mortify our sin. Let me put it this way. Don't dabble with something that God has asked you to destroy. Yeah. That's good. So often we're dabbling with sin. It's just one kind of flirtatious, direct message late at night. It's not that big of a deal. They, we, it's just kind of our thing. We just kind of mess around with each other. It's just one little flirtatious text. It's just, it's just one little lie to my spouse. I just don't want them to get their feelings hurt. So I'm just going to kind of bend the truth a little bit. It's just a little bit of anger that's in my heart that, that sometimes it just kind of comes out at certain people. And, but people just have to understand that's my personality. That's just the way that I am. And so sometimes we just dabble with sin. Here's what Paul is saying. Do not tolerate what God has called you to terminate. You, you can't dabble with sin. You, you can't just treat it lightly and say, hey, this is not that big of a deal. That's why Paul uses an intense word, mortify. Uh, make a corpse. Put it to death. Don't just sweep it under the rug. You have to get to the root of this uh, so that you can walk in freedom. And so now he's going to mention some of these things that we need to mortify. Are you ready today? He's going to listen to things. Verse number five. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication. That's any sexual activity outside the boundaries of marriage. He says fornication. In fact, the Greek word there, porneia, is where we get our word pornography. He's saying, he's saying put to death this idea of fornication. Uncleanness, impurity. Inordinate affection, that's an evil desire. Evil concupiscence, that's an uncontrolled passion. Covetousness, which is idolatry. And so he lists these sins, most of which are internal by nature. You could be struggling with evil passions, evil desires, and no one else would know. Yeah. You could show up to church and smile, everything's good to go, and you're happy, but on the inside, you are struggling with some desires, some passions, some lusts that no one else knows about. But be very careful because private sins often have public consequences. Yeah. And so he says, okay, there's some internal struggles. You need to put them to death. You need to mortify these things. Notice verse 6. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. And so he's saying, he's saying for an unbeliever who walks in these ways that has not experienced salvation, that's not been forgiven of their sins, because God is holy, there will be judgment that comes for the unrepentant unbeliever. Verse 7. He says, in the which ye also walked some time when you lived in them. And, and he kind of reminds the church of their past life. He says, these things, you were walking in them before you accepted Christ. But now you shouldn't walk in these things anymore. Because again, you've been given new life in Christ. Consider your position. By the way, can I just encourage someone? If you feel like you are battling sin and you just can't get victory, 
If you feel like there's just something that has a grip on your life and you just feel like, man, I'll never be able to get victory in this area. I'll never be able to walk uh, clean in this area. That's just who I am. That's just a result of my upbringing, uh, a result of some experience that I've had. And I'm never going to get victory. Can I encourage you what the Bible says in Romans chapter 6? Sin shall not have dominion over you. You can say it on a daily basis. Sin is not my master. I recognize that I am no match for sin, but sin is no match for the power of the Holy Spirit. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can walk in victory today. You can come clean today. Hey, there is cleansing available today. There is forgiveness available today. And Paul was saying, in time past, you walked this, but now you can walk in newness of life. You can have a clean slate. You can have a new beginning. Notice verse number eight. But now you also put off. Everybody say put off. So again, this is where the the clothing analogy comes in. He says... There's some things that you need to just take off. It's kind of like if you're, if you're wearing a dirty old outfit. And how many of you ever like traveled all day long in an airport and you just wanted to take a shower and change? And how many of you know what I'm talking about? He says you need to put off some things. Okay, verse 8. You've got to put off. What does he say? All these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. So this is the second list that he gives. The first list was internal by nature. The second list is external by nature. And I don't know if you noticed, but most of these things in this list have to do with our speech. It has to do with our words. Can I please encourage you today to recognize this truth? Your words matter. What you post matters. What you say matters. There is great power of life and death in what you speak. In what you say, he says, filthy communication, lying, anger, wrath, malice. He says, be very careful about the words that you say. If you can learn to harness your words, you can harness your life. This is what James 3 says. Notice what James says in James 3, verse number 2. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, in our conversation, in the things that we say, the same is a perfect man or a complete mature man. And be able also to bridle, just like you put a bit in the mouth of a horse and you can steer, you can bridle that horse, you can bridle the whole body. So please hear me. If you want direction for your life, learn to control your words. If you learn to control your words, you can control your life. Isn't it interesting that the direction from your life is really a result of the communication from your mouth? So often how you speak about your season will determine how you see your season. And so often we are complaining and we're, 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 we're bitter and we're angry and we're, we're, we're putting other people down and there's, there, there's cursing and there's crude language and filthy language. And Paul says you need to put that off. In fact, in that same chapter in James chapter 3, he talks about the inconsistency of our speech. And uh, we've all seen this before, even when we come to church. It's like you can be arguing the, the most heated argument in the car and you're just with your spouse or with your kids and you're like, be quiet back there. And you're getting in so much trouble when we get home. And you open the door at church like, good morning, God bless you. How are you today? And uh, there can be a level of inconsistency in what we say. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Some of you are like guilty laughing like, yeah, did he see my car this morning? So often there's inconsistency in the way that we talk. What does James say? He says, out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. Brethren, these things ought not so to be. There shouldn't be a level of inconsistency in the way that we speak. And so what is Paul saying to the church? He's saying, hey, there's some things that you need to put off. You need to put off that kind of language and put off those sorts of words from your mouth. Now, uh, let's pick it up in verse number 10. He says this. 
this is there, here's a transition, verse number 10. He says, and having put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. And so here's a transition. He already talked about some things that we need to remove, some clothing, some spiritual garments that we need to put off. Now he says there's some things that you need to put on. This is very important. Please don't miss it. Because what gets removed must get replaced. What you take off, there is something else that needs to be put on. Let's keep reading. Verse number 11. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Okay, I love this little verse because it's almost like parenthetical to the, to the passage. But he says, he says, I want you to remember that Christ is in all and there is no factions or divisions under the banner of Jesus. Uh, barbarian, Scythian. Scythian in this culture was the most barbaric group you could possibly imagine. And Paul's saying even they are coming to Christ. Why? Because the love of God is readily available for all of humanity. Can I remind you that in the church there is no room for partiality. There is no room for racism. There is no room for favoritism. The the blood of Jesus Christ was shed for all of humanity. There should be no faction or division or schism in the body. And so he's saying, in light of that, in light of this unity that we should have under Jesus, because he unites us, verse number 12, he says this, put on, therefore, everybody say, put on. So here's what we need to put on. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, that's compassion, Kindness, humbleness of mind, humility, uh, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, love, which is the bond of perfectness. And so here's what Paul is saying. Some things need to be put off. Some things need to be put on. And uh, I want to il illustrate it this way for a second. This is often what we do. Everybody doing okay this morning? This is often what we do. We say, okay, there's certain things in my life that I need to put off. Lustful thinking. I know that I shouldn't be looking at that website. I know that I shouldn't be thinking these thoughts. I know that I shouldn't be uh, going that place. And so we say, okay, I got to put off lustful thinking. Then we'll come and we'll say, okay, covetousness. I can't be constantly looking at that car and wanting that materialism and just wanting that next possession, that house, that opportunity. And so, okay, I'm going to put off covetousness. Filthy language, okay, guilty. Sometimes I let, I let my uh, words get the best of me, and I know that there's some things that I shouldn't say, and so some filthy language. I got to remove that from my spiritual wardrobe. I got I to put that off. And then we'll come over here to anger. I know that I shouldn't, you know, just live with this perpetual anger and the little things that bother me. I know they shouldn't bother me. And so I'm going to try my best. I'm going to put off anger as well. And so I'm going to take that out of my spiritual wardrobe. And then pride, for sure. Pride is the root of all sin. And so often we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. And so because of that pride, it, it, it deters us. God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. So we know, okay, I've got to put off pride. Now, that's a good thing. How many of you would say that's a good thing? Would you agree with me to get rid of those, to put off those things? This is a good thing, but often where we struggle is, this is where we stop. And what happens is we remove certain things from our spiritual wardrobe, and then all of a sudden there's a vacancy. And now there's an awkwardness because the time that I used to give to those sins and the mental energy that I used to give to those thoughts, it's no longer there. And so now this feels awkward. There's this, there's this emptiness. And so what we often do is, this didn't really work. I tried to give up these things and it didn't really work. So what we do is we start putting them back on. 
It's not really pride. I'll just rename it. By the way, we are so good at renaming and justifying our sin. It's not pride. It's confidence. You know, when Joseph was tempted in Genesis chapter 37 with Potiphar's wife, uh, she said, this is not a big deal. You can lie with me. And he said, how can I do this great wickedness before God? If you want to get victory over sin, call it what it is. And so what we do, we'll start putting it back on. And, uh, you know, it's not really anger. It's just my personality. It's just kind of just the way that I am. And I'm just a realist. And if you don't like that, that's, that's on you. That's not on me. We'll put it back on. Filthy language. You know, it's not that big of a deal. You know, I can just kind of talk directly. And this is what we'll do. Because there's that void, there's that emptiness, and we don't like that clunky feeling. And so we'll start putting these things back on. But this is why Paul says it's so important what gets removed must get replaced. And so we recognize, hey, when it comes to those lustful thoughts, now there's, there's a vacancy where I used to give my time and thoughts and energy, energy to. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to replace those thoughts with the mind of Christ. I'm going to replace those thoughts with Scripture. So when that temptation comes, there's not a void there. There is Scripture. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. So when that temptation comes, comes, you have the power to respond. And so instead of just saying, okay, I'm not going to be proud, I'm going to be intentional with my humility. I'm not going to care if I get the recognition or I'm going to praise someone else and give them the recognition. I'm not going to be consumed with covetousness, but I'm going to pray and ask God to fill my life with contentment and to be content with the things that I have. I'm not just going to not be angry. I'm going to be the opposite of that and go out of my way to encourage someone else, to put courage in someone else and show compassion and show the love of Christ to my, uh, to my friends, family, and neighbors. I'm not just going to uh, say I'm not going to have filthy language. Rather, I'm going to edify and build people up with edification. I'm not going to use my words as bullets to bring people down. I'm going to use my words as bricks to build people up, to edify the body of Christ. Are you understanding today that what gets removed must get replaced? It's out with the old, but then in with the new. Now, this is not some big legalistic rule list of things you have to do. This is not just some big to-do list. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, and I hope that this brings some clarity today, he talks about the same concept of our spiritual wardrobe. Notice what he says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Okay, so, so don't miss this. How can we make sure that we're putting off and putting on and doing this? Well, we have to be walking in tune with the Holy Spirit. Put off the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which is created in righteousness and true holiness. And so what's the point? Rather than saying, okay, waking up in the morning, I've got to put off all these things, I've got to put off all these things, I'm going to write them all down, have a really big spiritual to-do list. Rather than doing that, concentrate on being filled with the Spirit, and this will be your natural course. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit and just asking Him to fill you and asking Him to guide you, you will naturally be able to put off the old man and to put on the new man in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is key today. Now, I want us to close out in verses 15 through 17 today. So I want you to see verse number 15. It says this, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Now, how can we know what's the tangible evidence that we are walking in the spirit, that we're putting off the old, that we're putting on the new? What's the evidence of that? Peace. We'll experience the peace of God. Did you see it in verse 15? And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Rule. That's a great word rule. It's the same word for where we get the idea of umpire. 
Someone's got to be calling the shots. He's saying, let the peace of God, let that peace be the umpire in your life. So when those thoughts of fear come in, the umpire, God's peace, can say, you're out. When those thoughts of anxiety come, the peace of God says, you're out. Let the peace of God be the umpire of your life and the umpire of your heart. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Verse 15. To which also you are called in the body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly and it's so much a part of you that you just can't help that it comes out of you. When you sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. By the way, when we sing as a church, we're not just filling a cue card or filling a gap in a service. We're singing to the God and the creator of the universe who is worthy of our worship and our praise. And the Bible instructs us to make a melody, to make a song in our heart. Verse 17. In whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, whatever you do, whatever you do. Would you join me in standing as we close today? He says, whatever you do. This is so encouraging and this gives so much clarity today. Is everybody still with me for a few more minutes today? He says, whatever you do, whether you are a teacher, whether you are a police officer, whether you are a nurse, whether you are in sales, Whatever you do, whatever your eight to five is, whatever your Monday through Saturday looks like, whatever, everybody say whatever. Whatever you do, do it in the name and for the glory of Jesus Christ. We are not building our own kingdoms. We are not building our own brand. We're not building our own empire. We are building and advancing the kingdom of almighty God. It's all about his glory and not about our glory. And so Paul says, hey, whatever you do, don't say this is just for the pastors. Don't say this is just for the ministers. This is just for that group of people. He's talking to someone else. No, every member a minister, every saint a servant. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Live for the audience of one. Give him the glory. Give him the credit that he deserves. I want to close with this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 53. It says this, for this corruptible, speaking of this corruptible body, must put on, there's familiar language that we've been studying today, must put on incorruption. And this mortal, this flesh, must put on immortality, eternal life. Now, he's talking in context about our glorified bodies. When we get to heaven, in the resurrected state, aren't you thankful that we're gonna have a body that's glorified? No more pain, no more sorrow, no more uh, difficulty. What's the only way that we can experience that glorified body to put on that incorruption? By having a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you accept Jesus Christ as your savior and trust in him for salvation and him alone, you will be able to put on that incorruption that glorified body and live with Jesus forever. But it's only through a relationship with Jesus. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done. It's according to his mercy that he saves us. It's not by religion. It's not by being a good person. It's the free gift that God has to offer. God loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son. He lived a perfectly sinless life. He went to the cross and he died on the cross, a horrific, bloody, death for you 
and for me, and please don't let that just in one ear and out the other, he endured the contradiction of sinners for us. He died in our place as the perfect substitute, the propitiation for our sins, the payment. And three days later, he conquered the grave and he rose again. Because Jesus is alive today, because he resurrected, we can live that resurrected life. That's our new position. But maybe today that's not your position because you've never accepted Christ as your savior. Today can be the day of salvation for you. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes today.